0: A quick hello, and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Jason Sarkoon.
1: Man, that's the best intro I think I've ever gotten. Thanks, Thanks, Jason.
0: Hey! I, I love doing that intro. I was a musician before and singing songs is my favorite occupation in life other than looking at Google and figuring out brand serps and knowledge <laughs> panels. But today we're not going to be talking about that directly. We're going to include it, but we're going to talk about how to tell your authentic story as a podcast guest. Now, lots of people do podcast guesting, but a lot of us fail to tell our authentic story and fail to really reach out to the audience. Is that about the idea?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of transactional mindset in the podcast space and guests are just trying to sell their product and not really establish a strong connection with the person they're collaborating with or with the audience through their story. And if you're just putting a sales pitch out there or a half an hour long commercial, it really doesn't attract a lot of people and most listeners are going to tune out and maybe never come back to that podcast again. So it's better to be rooted in value right. than in sales mode.
0: Brilliant. I mean, and it's bad for the podcast and the, the, idea that you might actually sell to somebody who's heard you for the very first time on a podcast for 30 minutes is fairly unlikely. Right.
1: And it's, it's one of those things, you know, when I look at podcast casting, it's like the trailer to a movie. It sets mm. up what the story is all about get you excited. You get a few minutes of action-packed highlights and you learn the type of value that person can bring to the table. And if you really do like the trailer, what do you typically do? You go back to the theater and you watch the full feature length film. So if someone resonates with your message and loves your story and feels that you are the resource that can bring value to their life and help them achieve the transformation they seek, they're going to head over to your website or follow your call to action So they can continue to follow you and enter into your ecosystem to where you can provide them more value and ultimately get them to become a brand loyalist and patronize you in perpetuity.
0: Yeah. I, I love the the analogy with the, the trailer for the film. That makes sense. It speaks to me and it makes me immediately understand what I should be doing. Um, and also I was talking to Daniel Hunjus just about three years ago on the podcast. He was talking about the seven touch points, supposedly, before you can actually expect to be able to sell somebody. He was saying it's probably more like 21 these days. Mm. Um, and the, the number seven, I asked him, where does it come from? And he said, nobody knows. <laughs> So don't think about seven touch points. Certainly don't think about one touch point. Think about between seven and 21, and do it gently. Move people through into becoming excited, so excited about what you're offering that they will actually do business with you. Before Seriously. we get into your authentic podcast story, as, or authentic story as a podcast guest, I want to look at your brand, Sir, I looked up your name, as always, on Google. Over there on the right-hand side, unhappily, you don't have a knowledge panel, which is true for a lot of people who deserve one. I would argue they're not actually very difficult to get. If anyone's interested in that, join the CaliCube knowledge panel and brand support group. We help people do that themselves. And then I look down at the bottom here. We've got you've actually got a beautiful website with the um, lovely rich site I can immediately sell your, tell that your website is incredibly well-organized. Google likes your website. It understands how it's structured and which pages are interesting to your audience. And down at the bottom there with the images, it associa- associates you with podcasts, Pittsburgh, YouTube, and Corona cons- uh, sorry, sorry, Consulting. It's right. got it pretty much right in the image there, images there, hasn't it? Yeah, it's... Uh... That's
1: come together nicely, I have to say. One of, the, one of the many values of podcast guesting and podcasting in general is what it can add to your, to your SERP and to your search engine visibility as a whole.
0: Yep, brilliant. And Google gets it, especially with podcasting. And then I looked up your videos. I was intrigued by this because in the overall results all, as you can see here, we've got three results from the same episode that you guested on from two days ago. And yet, when we search in the videos vertical, it's all your own website. Now, two questions number one, why do you think it's being so recent with the uh, videos that it's showing in the full results? and why do you think it's showing so many videos from your own website? We can see three there
1: Well, I could to answer the first question, I don't have an answer <laughs> i'm I'm really yeah. not sure yeah those I mean that podcast, to my knowledge, <laughs> Uh, with jens heitland just went live as of as we sit and talk this morning that is oh pretty my. incredible so maybe he posted those vi- it looks like he according to the two days ago he posted those videos a day prior to the podcast version going live but i uh, i would say on the other version i mean i i like to put these videos on my website as well as having them on youtube just for the simple mm-hmm. fact that when i when i Bring somebody to my website, my hopes is that when they click play on a video, they're going to watch it there, and it's going to boost my retention rate on my website versus right. sending them to YouTube and them getting that retention rate. And I guess either way, it's going to benefit me, but I do believe if they're watching a YouTube channel – or I'm sorry, a YouTube video on my website, that retention also feeds to the YouTube stats as well. I like yeah. could be wrong. Okay. as, long as I, say, I don't want to speak out of turn on that because I'm not – I would never consider myself an expert at anything, but (laughs) in regards to YouTube, I'm just now, I'm really starting to sink my teeth into what I can do with my YouTube channel. And from what I've learned is getting people onto your website, having them view videos there, it's extremely beneficial for your stats in regards to keeping them on your site, which of course is going to let Google know that people are enjoying what they find when they land on your page.
0: Yeah. And that, that is hugely important retention on your website. Uh, Google does use clickstream data, it does use user data. Uh, they always say we don't in our algorithm. But they don't use it in the blue link algorithm, they use it in the whole page algorithm, which is a whole different kettle of fish that we don't want to get into because <laughs> it's very deep. If anyone's interested, search the whole page algorithm, Jason Barnard, or the whole page algor- algorithm, CaliCube. Uh, there are a couple of articles that we've written about that. Um, incredibly interesting about how all of this works, explained by Nathan Chalmers, who is the whole page algorithm boss at Google, uh, Bing. Sorry, um, so it, it is reliable information. It's hugely interesting, but not the topic for today as well. Now the sponsor message before we move into the episode, CaliCube Tuesdays and branded search and beyond is produced in partnership with WordLift, an amazing AI company from Rome who help you with your internal knowledge graph for your website. The headline sponsor for today is indeed CaliCube, which is ourselves, because we offer three solutions for your Brand SERP. We have for the beginners, the Brand SERP book. For intermediates, we're about to show you the courses about Brand SERPs and indeed knowledge panels. And for super duper advanced experts, we have a SaaS platform for managing your knowledge panel and optimising your Brand SERP. CaliCube, it's all about your Brand SERP. You are listening to Branded Search and Beyond, with Jason Barnard. Now, back to the show. So, after all of that lovely introduction, we're on to Jason. And how to tell your authentic story as a podcast guest. Now, my first question is, what's your authentic story? Well, that can go a couple
1: different directions. Uh, Let's let's keep it (laughs) tapped into podcasting since that's pretty much the theme of today's conversation. So back in 2015, I cracked into the podcasting game for all the wrong reasons. And the reason Funny. I say that is I was in that at that period of time, I had launched a craft beer blog here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I'm located, and then started to talk to some bars and breweries some restaurants, just building relationships. And I came up with this idea to create an app that would be utilized by consumers around Pittsburgh to learn about events and different beer releases. They could just go right to their mobile phone and this would connect everybody that I was working with would have all their events posted that would funnel it right to the cool. app. And I did pick up some partners on that. There were some places that really liked the idea and wanted to get on board with it as it was going live. And the second I made it live, I got a troll on Twitter telling me what a terrible job I was doing and how horrible everything oh, was. No. And sorry. I was, so, well, it's okay. It is what it is. And you know what? I, I have to thank the guy now because it's all led to where we are today. But right really? Uh, at that period of time, I really wasn't familiar with what trolling really was. I had never experienced it. I probably indulged him too much in conversation, trying to argue. But and in that exchange, going back and forth, I looked at what he was doing, and he hosted a beer podcast. And it just so happened that a friend of mine and I, my best friend, we were kicking around some ideas about starting our own podcast. We just couldn't land on what we wanted to do. So right. as soon as I saw that that gentleman had a beer podcast, I called my friend and said, we're going to do a beer podcast too, and we're going to do it better than that guy. And guess right. what? Then you
0: control him.
1: Well, that was what the, my my intentions were. Guess what? <laughs> when we started that beer podcast, we were nowhere near as good as he was. We were terrible.
0: <laughs> and, All right, which is very upfront and honest about you. And, you.
1: And, and that's what I'm saying is that when I looked at that, what, what it did was it got me into podcasting. I had a radio show in college. There was probably about a 13 year gap between turning off that microphone in college to where the podcast became a thing. But once I started doing it, I loved it. It just rekindled this passion. I I knew I wanted to keep attacking it and getting better. So even though the first production wasn't that great, we kept Mm -hmm. going. It led to some unbelievable experiences. We got to meet some really cool people. And over time, what ended up happening was life got in the way. We couldn't do the show as consistently as we wanted to. So we ended up putting that show to rest. I started a new show on my own and probably 20 some episodes deep. I decided, you know what? I love this, but I feel like I need some time to just study what everyone else is doing and take some time away from the Mm. microphone and really get good at this, really sink my teeth into this and develop a skill set that I can utilize for future shows. So, I shut that show down and I just started studying, listening to other podcasters, listening to people on the radio, watching television personalities deliver the news and tell their story. I was looking at it from more of an analytical viewpoint, trying to understand tempo and cadence and that overall ability to communicate and tell a good story. And that was really what led me to, when I got back into it, to have much more success because I was much more prepared. I was coming from a more prepared state and it allowed me to not only get my own new show off the ground, but I connected with a friend who needed help getting a podcast oh. off the ground. He wanted to pick my brain to know what he was in for. And I ended up working with him and helping him launch his show, which was my light bulb moment. I said, I think others probably need this type of assistance as well. So I right. started making contacts in that contacts in that respect and helping others launch their show, make sure they were doing things right, make sure they weren't watching them out of spite. And it all came together nicely. Over the past couple of years, I've put a lot more emphasis just on guesting because the podcast guest right. serves such a powerful, important purpose to podcasts. And at the same time, while they're helping create absolutely stellar content that people can sink their teeth into. They get that opportunity to tell their story and attract people to them as well. So it serves multiple purposes, but the benefits that are available to you as a value-driven podcast guest are seemingly limitless. And my goal now is to help people tap into that story and use podcasts to tell it.
0: Right. Okay. So, we now have your story to how you got to where you are today. And mm-hmm. we understand more or less where you are today, not 100%, but we're going to get to that. Uh, and you helped Alex Sanfilippo with the Guest Mastery Pod Match book, which I can see up at the top there above you. Yes, uh, sir. You, contributed, you said maybe chapter 16. You're not 100% sure of which chapter it was. I'm pretty it's chapter 15.
1: And it was. We, I learned that we got those chapters based on how soon we signed up, so I almost missed it. <laughs> I was very close Brilliant. to the cutoff.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. And I mean, uh, I haven't actually read the full book, but uh, my team Maria and um, Mariana both read it, and they both loved it. Um, I'm not yes. sure what they think about your chapter, but because they're the people who choose the guests for the uh, for this podcast, they must have loved it. You must have stood out. Why must do you have think have you stood out? Right. What do you think you said that the others didn't?
1: Well, like everything I do, I was incredibly authentic. And for me, I look at this it's the same way as if I'm helping train somebody to tell this story and utilize podcasts. There's nothing to be gained from not hearing the truth from having facts sugarcoated. Mm. I was very open with the fact that you have to be active. You have to make strong connections and, you have to start good conversations, and in, in order to get mm. any type of results, and I think that transcends what you can do on the PodMatch network. I think that's podcast guesting as a whole. There's a mm. lot of very, very bad presentations and, and bad guest pitches out there, and yes. <laughs> I, it, no, Jason, no. yeah. Go ahead, as a podcast? I'm sure you can No, no, test. well, that,
0: that, that brings me to another question, interrupting you there, is the bad presentations, the bad pitches I get by email. Now, yeah. what are the things really not to do, and what are the things really to do? I get some awful ones of people who say, me, 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 six yeah. figures, seven figures, uh, I'm delightful, I can present you, your audience with how to win at this game, that game, the other game, and, you know, I'm the best. Yeah, and it's fairly infuriating.
1: Yep, I, I feel like you, I'm stealing a line from the show Frasier. It's one of my favorite lines when right. Niles Crane said, "The I have a I have to go to a show for the narcissistic opera singer called me 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 me." <laughs> that is what so many of these podcast guest pitches are, and there's well, I no. I might just
0: watch Frasier
1: now. You, oh, that show's great, but that was what oh, yeah. that line I lost, and that was one of my favorite oh, yeah. lines from that whole show. But I think that so many people are wrapped up in their own accolades that they're not taking mm-hmm. a minute to realize they need to bring value to somebody else's show to even get considered. Now, I have to believe that there are podcasters out there that are saying yes, because there are mm-hmm. a lot of these pitches are so blanket you can tell they're going to every podcaster. And I try mm-hmm. to challenge it. When I, when they're just, oh, I, I've seven figure oh. earner written three books, Ferrari in the driveway, celebrities over for dinner three times a week, like, you know, just rattling off all these things, but they're not telling me, listen to episode one thirty two I love that conversation that you had with so-and-so about this and that, because that's what I specialize in. I feel like I could add some value to your show if we had a conversation about like, th- that's the type of thing that as a podcaster tells me that they've looked to see that they're a good fit. They're not just spraying and praying and throwing their guest presentation at every show within a hundred mile radius. They could actually bring value to the show and it allows, allows me to make a decision on whether I want to have a conversation with them. And I'll have a conversation with anybody if I know they're going to bring value to the table. But because right. I get inundated between being on Podmatch and then through email with all sorts of different pitches and presentations, there has to be a filtering process. And if it's yeah. all about me, 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 it's very hard for me to say what are we going to talk about. And if they, if their story does have some, looks like it has, like they have some meat on the bone, I'll respond yeah. with thanks for your interest in being on the show. Tell me what you want to talk about, and then I hmm. I usually wait for the response because if they're ta- oh, I want to talk about this and it's nowhere near what we talk about on the show, then I know there's another step. I'm like, okay, you're out. Right. And and again, and I gotta guess- be selective.
0: Yeah, great. Sorry, excuse me. I get these big, long lists of things they can talk about, and they're A, right. very generic, and B, incredibly varied. And you're going, varied, yeah. okay, why not? But generic, yeah. you're going, it doesn't tell me what you're going to tell me. The other thing I do is do Control-F and search for he, she, and the name of the person and see how many times they mention that, and then mm-hmm. check for you and your audience and see how many times they mention that. Mm-hmm. And the weighting of that makes me decide which which approach they've got. Um, Do you think it would be worthwhile turning the email round and changing a lot of the we's, he's, and the name of the person into you's and your audience?
1: 1,000%. I'll tell you, I added a line to my outreach, and it's more than doubled the amount of yeses and positive responses that I've received. And
0: And now you're going to share what that line is. Oh, I'll absolutely share the line.
1: I hope more people start (laughs) using it. The line I added was I don't consider myself a perfect guest for any podcast and I don't, or I don't want to assume that I'm a perfect, you know, say it the right way. I never assume that I am a perfect fit for any podcast because you know, your audience and your content way more than me, but I've Mm. seen value in the show. And if you're looking for people to help you contribute to that and continue your mission on bringing value to your audience, I'm here to help. It makes it about them. It Shows Mm -hmm. that it's not just, I mean, everybody benefits and everybody wins with a strong collaborative podcast recording, but it, they, a podcaster has to know, is this person going to bring value to my show? Are they going to come with, with a good conversational servant type of heart, or are they going to show up and just try to sell their book or sell their course? It can be Mm -hmm. very hard to determine what that person is all about. If they're just talking about themselves, it, it comes off very narcissistic and entitled. And that's the word yeah, I've been no. using Ooh. a lot. Like a lot of people just all oh, I'm the perfect fit for your show. How do you know that? We haven't spoke yet. I know uh, that if you've listened, thank you. But you need to tell me what we're going to talk about. Let me make that determination and then we'll build from there. But yeah, they're, really? they're, it's, it's very antiquated and short-sighted that, what a lot of these pitches are these days.
0: Now, sorry, this brings me to another question. I look kind of all the time like I'm about to interrupt you, which I always am, Um, is that, well, I mean, for example, a guest like yourself inspires me to lots of thoughts as we go through. So I don't really research what we're going to be talking about because Mm -hmm. I like to be inspired. And here, I've just thought, we've got a list of five topics, let's say, that I can talk about. Sending that list of five topics, but adapting it to what we think the show would potentially appreciate would be a good technique in saying that here are the five topics and the way we think it might potentially help or do you think we're stepping on their toes and becoming entitled
1: i typically like to give what i call the cliff's notes version of who i am and what i do and i just i I don't try to go into a ton of detail if i you know when i've listened to shows i will try to cite some com some some of the commentary that i may have heard and I think some people are taking that to a degree where you look at you, like you can tell they just copied and pasted or they went in and listened to your most recent episode for three minutes so they can say the guest's name. Like it's not genuine. If you're doing that, just don't do anything because it just comes off as, as, as very like no research It's just, ah, there's the name I'm going to say. I listened to them No, like put it in their court again. And when I give the notes version, basically what I say is, this is what I do. This is what I, or this is a little bit of where I've been. You know, for me, I've been working in the podcast space for almost a decade. I've built my brand around storytelling and mm-hmm. I talk about this, this, and this. If you, if you feel that's valuable for your audience, please feel like if I'm on Padmish, please feel free to stock my profile. If I'm sending it through email, here's a link to my one sheet. So you can learn more about me and let me know what you think. And then I leave it in their court. Just, Let me know if you think this is going to be a good fit. And if it's not, again, that's okay. There's a lot of podcasts out there for me to choose from. I can only do a few at a time.
0: Very good point. And, I mean, thinking once again about kind of my case, if I'm pitching to be on a podcast, I could potentially say I talk about what your audience sees when they Google your name, your brand name, or your personal name. Mm -hmm. Here's what they see when they Google my name with a link through to it. My... Uh, value to your audience would be to explain to them how they can potentially get a great Giz- Google business card like this one. Yeah. Is that a good pitch?
1: I think that's good. I get your, your, you're, you're could telling be them the value. <laughs> you, you, have but, no, be
0: think, you have a doubt. No, I don't. I
1: think, no, I have no doubt. I think what you're bringing, cause you were on my show, Jason. So I know the value that you have, you're, you're going to give everybody a blueprint on how Mm -hmm. they can utilize something that's incredibly important to them. I I mean, it could be such a game changer for your business. So bring that type of value and let them know, this is what I'd like to cover, but don't do it in this assumptive assumptive fashion that said, oh yeah, like I'm perfect. You have to bring me on. I can't believe you'd Mm -hmm. ever say no to me. No, obviously you need to talk about what you do so you can put your value to bring it to the forefront. So they know what you'd be talking about give them a couple ideas of how the conversation could flow, but ultimately let them know that you're all about bringing value to them because they need that type of value. Because I would say nine podcasters out of 10, their goal is to grow their audience and get more listeners because that is going to open up more opportunities for them and whatever their main objective is. If it's to grow their brand or expand their message to a wider base the more listeners they have, the more they can accomplish that. The only way they can grow their audience is by continuing to put quality content in front of them on a consistent basis because the audience isn't going to come back. If the content's garbage, they're only going to come back if they start to get invested. So they have to consistently put good conversations and good content in front of their audience. So that investment can take place when they do that that means they can grow. They're going to have recommendability in place. So their audience is telling others to listen. They're sharing episodes. If you help them create that kind of value, you're now a resource for them. So they'll endorse you. They'll tell those listeners, go check out Jason's website, go follow what he's doing, buy his book. So you're selling without selling, but you're most Mm -hmm. importantly, bringing a lot of value to that podcast. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day.
0: So we're now at the 25-minute mark, and you haven't sold anything. No. So from your perspective, this is not only not selling but really not selling on the assumption <laughs> that people will now say, well, I need to research.
1: My Yeah, for me, I, I don't I – <laughs> a lot happens for me in the conversation. And typically, what? I don't like a person that's going to just sit there and sell, sell, sell. And so there, there's times – like. You can feel this sometimes like on LinkedIn. It's probably the biggest culprit. You know someone's just asking you questions because they're uh, they're trying to bait you into, oh, yeah, I need to buy exactly what you have because I rolled out of bed today looking for you. I hate that. (laughs) So I would never want to be that guy. My job is to show up, tell a good story, talk about why I am a thought leader in my space. And then Mm. when we wrap up, I'm going to give people a destination to come check me out. If they like what I have to say here, my guess would be they'd want to look a little further and see if there's more value I can bring into their world. And anybody that's looking to tell a good story could always use a little bit of guidance, right? So there I just broke my rule. I just just lightly sold there for a minute. But for me, it's all about the conversation I'm having with you, Jason. In the moment, that's all that's happening. When it's being heard by the audience, now is the time that they can make their decision on whether me, even you, are valuable resources that they want to continue to invest in
0: right No. okay brilliant but you you sold a little bit because i asked you to do it yeah because uh, i yeah. was intrigued <laughs> about that aspect of it but in, in fact one thing you've just reminded me of is i never ask anybody where can people find you but we do ask this question how can being a podcast guest help with branded search or mm-hmm. how does branded search tie in with being a podcast guest, which means from this perspective now is your opportunity to say how people can reach out to you because it's by searching your name.
1: Right. I mean, and you, you showed that when you did my SERP evaluation at the very beginning, when you search Jason Cone. I'm popping right up pop. You can pop in podcast guesting simplified. It's probably going to pop up as well, but mm. the search engine visibility that becomes available because of podcast guesting is one of the biggest benefits because you are creating more quality backlinks that are pointing back to your website. As long as you're using a call to action that points people to your website and you're actually giving your website to the podcaster to post in their show notes and on their website. Some people use the wrap up time to rattle off 20 social media networks Mm. And that typically doesn't help anything because people will get the paralysis by analysis because there's so many options and then they won't take any action at all. So you need to be very clear and concise with your call to action. And it's best to send people to a destination that you own, where you can control the narrative, where you don't potentially fall prey to Zuckerberg selling off everything and moving to a (laughs) private Island somewhere. You have to think about where you're taking people, where you want them to join you because you want to bring more value to them and your website's where it's at. So having right. these podcast guesting opportunities available to you and then having those final products out there can create a lot more visibility on those search engines, thus giving viewers when they look you up, search you by name, or maybe they find your book and they look it up by that. Just for an example, there's more quality links pointing to your website, thus giving more people opportunities to find
0: you. Right. Lovely. I mean, and from, from my perspective, I was thinking along the lines as well of, if you're on a podcast, by definition, your name is out there. If your name is out there, people won't necessarily remember your website name. And as you say, don't send them to social media, send them mm-hmm. to yourself which is your website. They might not remember it. They'll probably remember your name. They will then Google your name. That result needs to look absolutely perfect. And you need to be right at the top with your site so that they click on that first link, as you said earlier, and go to your website. And then you get control of how you're communicating with your audience, which is delightful. Thank you so much, Jason. That was absolutely Mm -hmm. delightful. Um, Thank you everyone for watching. We're going to move on to Passing the Baton, which I absolutely love at the end of every episode. We're passing the baton this week to Alison Riggs, building a self-sufficient team with They Ask, You Answer. I'm looking forward to this because I'm trying to build a team at CaliCube. The team at CaliCube is amazing, and I'm sure Alison will help us make our team just that little bit better. Could you possibly pass the baton, Jason?
1: Well, from what I've learned about Allison up to this point, because when I was given this wonderful opportunity to talk her up, to get her (laughs) name in front of everybody so everyone could be primed for what she's bringing to the table, I learned that Allison and I, we're both around that decade mark. We're both in about the eight and a half year mark of making that impact. Allison does a lot of this through inbound content marketing strategies, which is something that we all need to be incredibly focused on. And Jason, I know being in the brand SERP space, that's your jam, my friend. And if the yep. audience is tuning in for the great message you're bringing, I guarantee they're going to learn a ton from Allison Riggs when she joins you on the next episode. So if you haven't it's subscribed it. yet, I don't know what you're waiting for because there's a lot of good content here, but you want to make sure you're subscribed so the next episode with Allison. Pops to your device, and you know that it's ready to be consumed, and you know you're going to learn a lot. Can't wait to hear what Allison has to say. That
0: was absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Jason. You get the outro song as well. A quick mm-hmm. goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Jason. Man, you got the voice, my friend. I'm going to leave the singing to you. Pally <laughs> Cube. It's all about your brand SERP.